Nick and Matt Jackson. You're listening to the Work Shoot Wrestling Podcast. Sweet! Suck yeah! Episode 121 of the Work Shoot Wrestling Podcast. This is Corey Richmond. And I am once again joined by Jason Brooks after one week of being on special assignments, enjoying uh, the, the very nice Jersey Shore, I believe it was. Jason, welcome back to the program. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. I can uh, now get the viewers, uh, uh, the listeners, sorry, back into the podcast. If you guys want to take a nap, you can listen to Corey last week. <laughs> but now we're going to get a little bit more spice, a little more punch into the episode today. No, Corey, you did a good job last week. I'm just I'm just busting your chops. But good to be back. Um, it was a nice little vacation for myself. Um, I did keep up with wrestling, so, you know, there's a lot to talk about. A lot of releases, a lot going on. Kind of a Black Friday of sorts in the WWE. So, yeah, I'm excited to talk about it with you. Absolutely. And you wonder, are these release? We had, you know, two releases earlier. We had Arturo Cal and Richard Brenneman, two announcers, which, you know, two announcers, who cares? But then, but that was, you know, the calm before the storm. Uh, this was the first big releases be- since, I guess, uh, we had, you know, Drew Galloway or Drew McIntyre then, and I guess Ginger Mahal. That was the last time I think we had the big releases. Drew Galloway has gone on to be champion of TNA and working in Evolve and a lot of other things. Ginger Mahal, uh, nice knowing. I don't even know where you are anymore. But uh, this time around, the big, the big two releases are Wade Barrett, who we knew was uh, leaving, and also, which I don't know if it's a surprise or not, but uh, Damian Sandow, which is the one that the internet went a little bit crazy for. He's turned to a little bit of a cult hero to a lot of the internet fans. You know, there are message groups that, do you know, Sandow Saturday, which is a thing I've seen online. You still see signs in the audience for Sandow on, you know, on Raw and SmackDown. He's, he was actually on the last couple of weeks and, you know, not getting entrances or anything, but he was in, I guess, in the Battle Royal for the uh, number one contender for the U.S. title this past Raw. Now he's gone. I mean, everyone who has been let go has been very nice about it. You know, no no taking shots at the WWE. But, you know, those are the two big ones. I mean, we had Hornswoggle, El Torito, uh, Cameron, who I think is an interesting one because she's one of the... Uh, people who actually supported Ryback's uh, point of view, which we'll get into in a few minutes. But the big one is Damian Sandow. What, what's your thoughts? Yeah, so just quickly with Barrett, we all knew that where that was going. He didn't want to resign. He wanted to go somewhere. So they kind of released him early, um, essentially. Um, as far as Sandow, listen, it's a complete waste. When you sent me that message um, at work that they got released, that Sandow particularly got released, I said, what a waste. I mean, poor, the guy was awesome. You know, he won money in the bank and then lost, like, the next day to Cena. And what was a tremendous match. The guy was good in the ring. He was good on the mic. He was funny. The audience liked him. He was a great character. Anything they gave him, he did well. Literally anything they gave him, he did well. Um, and it's it's really a shame. Um, and it's really a waste. They, they really wasted a good talent there. You know, these are some of the other guys, Santino Morella, the, the two midget, the two short guys, I don't want to say midget, the two short guys, whatever. But Sandow was a guy. He was a very, very good performer. And I know NXT now, we're, we're having all these new guys, the Bullet Club's there, Shinsuke Nakamura's in NXT, you know, we see Sami Zayn on the main roster. So we're seeing a shift for sure, you know, Enzo and Cass, the vaudeville. And so we're seeing a shift, but... A guy like Sandow really, really could have been of use on the roster. Maybe to put over new guys, whatever. But he was such a good character and was so talented. It doesn't make any sense why he's not there. It really doesn't. It's, I, I'd say it's really, really a shame that, he, that he's not there. And I really hope he goes to a place like Ring of Honor, you know, where he can get television time. They put him on. I don't want him to go to TNA, to be honest with you. But I'd love for him to go to a place like Ring of Honor, Lucha Underground, he'd be awesome. I know they are taping season three, so that might not be an option right now. But, yeah, I think he's fantastic, and, and it's really, really a shame. Agreed. I mean, I don't think he was ever going to be world champion. But one of the things that you have to understand as fans is that not everybody who you like 
needs to be champion. There are different roles, and he's kind of got lost in the shuffle. Uh, I wonder that with the – could this mean that the numbers for the first quarter, which I believe are going to be coming out Tuesday for the WWE uh, conference call, maybe the numbers aren't as good as people hope, and they're doing some cost-cutting measures to make people think that everything is, you know, is good on their end. I mean, it might just be – more NXT's guys are coming up, and it's time for when you have the new come in. You got to take out the old. I mean, that's kind of that's kind of what I, that's kind of what I'm thinking. I mean, these guys who are there have not been used in a, forever, and Barrett's leaving anyway. Um, Sand, other than Sandow, which I think is ridiculous that he's not there. All the other guys made sense. Morella, Zeb Coulter, they haven't been on TV in, in a long time. So he is the one that to me does not make any sense. But it, I think it's probably because they're bringing in all this new blood, giving these guys main roster contracts, and they got to cut the money from somewhere. And let's let's hope it's let's hope that's the reason it's not you know other problems. But what do you think of the idea of maybe an El? We'll get back to Sandow, but you brought this up for a second. Like a guy at El Torito, especially uh, maybe going to Lucha Underground and reviving his career, or you know someone like. Or Hornswoggle doing something, you know, down the line with another company. Do you think that the only person who really has any value coming out of this is Sandow? And Wade Barrett, once he decides to do what he wants, it's taking a little bit of a break. Are there any of the other people who got released who have a future role in the industry that we should care about? I mean, not really that I've seen. I mean, Morello's had a lot of injury history. Um, so I, I don't know, you know, what he's going to be end up, end up doing. Zeb Coulter, he apparently, you know, seems to have some health issues. So I don't know if he's not going to step away from the limelight. And the, the, the two little guys, I mean, I'm not really too concerned about them. To be honest with you, I could, I could kind of care less. So I don't really see any significance with any of these other guys leaving, except for Barrett, who Barrett sounds like he's going to take a break from wrestling in general. Mm-hmm. You know, we were kind of suspecting that maybe he'd come back to you know, go to Ring of Honor, go to Lucha, go to Japan. But it sounds like he might be taking a break from wrestling in general, which probably is a good thing for him and do something else and pursue something else. So um, I, I really think it's Sandow and Barrett are the two significant guys here. Uh, I would, I think I'd agree with that for the most part. Like I said, after seeing uh, Lucha Underground this week, which we'll get into later on, seeing, you know, that the legendary mini who worked there. I mean, I don't know. I, I kind of thought maybe you could actually have the two of them with uh, work together. Because everything you I heard when he came in, El Torito, was he was actually a really good worker, and he basically got wasted in this awful gimmick with, you know, the colognes. Um, but, you know, I think Zeb Coulter, if he's healthy enough, I could see him being an interesting option. Maybe if there is a season four of Lucha Underground to playing that, you know, that pro-USA, anti-luchador, you know, type, a little bit of the type of character that he did with, like, a Jack Swagger in the beginning. You know, I think that could work. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I agree. I just, I don't know where his health is. Like, he, you know, he hasn't been looking great, so I'm not really sure where that is. But, yeah, I agree. With that. I, oh, I love Zeb Coulter. I think he's tremendous. So, um, if given a good platform, I think he could do some good work. And I guess the other thing on the uh, on the releases was there anybody on the roster who you were kind of surprised they weren't on the list? I mean, for me, I kind I, as good of a worker as he is, he's just so literally used. I, I was a little surprised like a Jack Swagger may have not been on the cut list this time around. Not not saying anybody should be fired, but guys who aren't used, you know, I was a little surprised. Maybe maybe because of the fact he's, they can't get rid of somebody while they're on a sixty day suspension for uh either an Adam Rose because of what he has said with the company or maybe Connor or Victor. Well, Victor is not suspended, but, you know, the Ascension's basically been a disaster. Are you surprised of anybody who may have, you know, survived another round of cuts, a.k.a., you know, JTG for, like, was on the payroll for, like, two years and yeah. wasn't, was well, never used? Yeah, I don't think there's any scenario. I, you know, I don't know. These guys stay there for a while. I mean, the last big release was Drew Galloway, what, a year, two years ago? I mean, it was a long time ago. They don't do this that often. It is interesting, right? They don't do these big releases that often. Um, which kind of tells you something about guys being able to kind of stay even if they haven't really done much. Um, I don't see Swagger leaving. I think Swagger is always a guy they can put out, bring out there and have a quick feud with and 
if it's a slow month for pay-per-views or if there's injuries, they could bring him out. Um, and I'm, I'm a, I've always been a Swagger fan. Um, you know, I mean, I'm not surprised. There's no one who's surprised. Like, oh, I'm surprised that guy didn't get cut. But in terms of candidates, you know, I mean, whatever, right? I mean, the social outcasts are guys who, I mean, I, they're not really, they're filler. Um, those would probably be the main guys who I thought of. Um, and then any guy who hasn't been on TV in a while, which I can't even think of, you probably know offhand better than me, but maybe some of the guys who haven't been on TV in a while, but I don't know. It's tough to, uh, yeah. And I know you said, yeah, Adam Rose, I know you mentioned him. I mean, he's part of the social outcast. So any one of those guys could have been released, um, to be honest with you. And Adam Rose, you know, speaking of him, he's been very outspoken in terms of, and I, and I think, if they released him now, after all the stuff he's come out with, it may not look good for them. So, you know, that could be a factor. In terms of the other Hammonegger from the Ascension, he stinks. So they could have gotten rid of him. So I don't know. I, I, you know, we'll see what they do over the next couple of months. If this is kind of round, you know, I know they released a couple of announcers. So we could say this is round two. Is there round three to come? Are they going to really wipe, wipe stuff down? Cause I mean, they've got this cruiserweight tournament. You know they're gonna sign some of these some of these cruiserweight guys. Um, they're always talking about bringing in new guys. Always. Um, shit with Eric Young, Bobby Roode. I mean, they're bringing in a lot of guys. So you got to make way for the for the old and to bring in the new. So we'll see if they continue to do that moving forward. Makes sense. Uh, any closing thoughts on uh, Sandow before we move on to uh, the Ryback situation? And Sandow, I, I'd say, is one of my, I don't want to say all-time favorites, but he's, but he's in this modern age, he's definitely been one of my favorites. I've always enjoyed it when he wrestles, when he cuts a promo. I mean, the tag team with Dusty Rose was great. Then after the, then when they started feuding, the feud was mostly on SmackDown. That was tremendous, too. Um, his match with Cena after he won the money in the bank, and he lost the money in the bank to Cena. He, did, he had a lot of really good matches and good storylines. That, that promo he cut on Randy Orton so long ago was fun. I mean, he had some moments, and um, it just it sucks that he's you know not there anymore. And hopefully, he gets to find a home um, and find a place that works for him. And who knows? Maybe the WWE will bring him back sometime in the future. But it just thinks he's not there now. That's, and that's a very good point, closing on this. The idea, just because someone is released now doesn't mean they'll they'll never come back. I mean, years ago we had, you know, the Dudleys were part of that basically first major, uh, I think at that time it was Black Wednesday, uh, where basically, you know, 10 or 11 years ago now, where they were released, and now they're back. So just because it didn't work out right now doesn't mean your career is either over, just like you see with like a Drew Galloway right now, who's had a second career doing really well in, you know, on the indies and also TNA, which right now kind of feels like an indie, uh, or worse than one. But, you know, just because a guy doesn't make it in WWE at this time doesn't mean that their career is over. So you never know. We could see Sandow in another company or back in the WWE at some point. But uh, moving on to the Ryback. The, the big story of the week before the cuts was uh, Ryan Reeves, uh, known as Ryback in the WWE, uh, on s- Sunday was in the the pre-show for uh, Payback. He uh, lost. Actually, I think it's one of the better matches he's had with the company, with Kalisto. And then he was mysteriously, he was advertised in the graphic for the IC title, uh, sorry, US title, Battle Royal, but he wasn't actually on the show. And then there was rumors going around that night on Twitter that there was a contract dispute and he... He was sent home. Then Ryback the next day actually put out a statement explaining his side of the situation. And we're going to get into that now in regards to, I think me and Jay may have maybe slightly the same take or different takes on this. But the one thing he wrote, which was funny in my opinion, he goes, this is not about money. And then his understanding of what his problem was, was all about the situation when it comes to money in the company. So, I mean, Jay, let let you take uh, the initial steps on this because... You had some interesting opinions right away. Yeah, so I don't have the whole statement here. I'm actually trying to look for it as, as we're talking. But I, I think the Ryback thing that was interesting, um, in that the big thing that he talked about, man, I wish 
I wish I could find that. I don't have it right now. But the big thing that he talked about, from what I remember, and I'm totally paraphrasing here, was in terms of why guys make certain money. So we know that merchandise is a big part of it, and guys making these horrible WWE movies are a part of it. But his kind of thing, and this is, I, I've always questioned this too, why do certain guys make more money than others? Say guys are, you know, how are we rating wrestling ability? Like, why are some guys pushed and some guys not pushed? Why is Sandow released and AJ Styles is in the main event? You know, and I love AJ. Listen, he's one of the top wrestlers in the world. Why is that the case? You know, Anderson and Gallows are, you know, main events in Raw every week. I love those guys for sure. But why are they in that spot? And certain teams are are not in that, that spot. Um, you know, teams that do the job every week, that lose, or, or wrestlers that lose every week, they get paid less than the wrestlers who beat the, the those guys who lose every week. The social outcast, for instance. You know, why is Bo Dallas losing every week? In NXT, people love them. You know, and in terms of lo- love them in terms of him being a heel. And now every week in the WWE, he loses. And Ryback's thing was he makes less than the guys who beat him every week. Why is that? Well, Dallas is doing his job. Those guys are doing their job. So why is one guy making a lot more than another guy? I, I In terms of, you know, Ryback talking about the money, I, I get what you're saying as far as it being, you know, I don't know, a little hypocritical. But I think the big picture of it is why guys make more than others. I, I do think it's an interesting argument especially considering this is all predetermined, like it is. And watching with the naked eye, we know who's better in the ring than others, but a lot of these guys are really good. Look at Tyler Breeze. Do you think he makes anywhere near the money some of the, some of the guys that he loses to every week makes? No way. And he's really good in the ring and good on the mic and has a pretty good character. So it's just an interesting thing on why guys – make more than others, other than some of the outliers that, uh, the, the things that we already know, the metrics we already know, which is making these awful WWE movies and the merchandise. Why is it? I don't know. I think it's an interesting thing that he brought up. Now, him wanting a bus and whatever, that, that's his own, that's his own uh, ball of wax. I don't, I don't know. But, you know, as far as the other things, I think it's interesting. Uh, are these interesting points? Absolutely, but it, you know you could say it's a similar thing to like you know with in the, with the movie with the movie industry, the guys who are you know the stuntmen are taking all the you know as we would say in the wrestling all the bumps don't make anywhere as much as the people they're standing in for. You know I mean it's the idea of if you're a star you're a star. If Vince McMahon or the people in charge and whatever the companies feel you're the guy that they want to back, you're going to get paid more money. If Ryan Reeves, Ryback, I'm sorry I keep on using his real name, but I've been reading so much stuff about him lately that's stuck in my head. The idea that if the guy could actually talk and he could, act, and he actually was as good as he thinks he is, he'd be getting paid more money. He'd be getting, doing more. You know what, is he, d- did he have his moment and does the crowd still respond to him? Absolutely. When given a chance, did he succeed a bit with the uh, thing a couple of years ago? I, I think it was either summer. I think it was SummerSlam with, uh, with the whole thing with the Shield and CM Punk. Yeah, was he in the right place at the right time? And then all of a sudden, John Cena came back, and John Cena took his spot. Sorry to hear that, but John Cena, the Undertaker, Triple H, there are certain people. You know, uh, Shawn Michaels at the time, Rey Mysterio. They went and connected with an audience in the ring, outside of the ring, promos. They did stuff that made, they felt like stars. A guy like Ryback or Bo Dallas, he doesn't feel like a star. Do you want to blame that a little bit on creative, on they don't give him the right opportunities? Fine. Roman Reign, could Roman Reigns not, could Ryback not be Roman Reigns right now? He doesn't have the could love. Ryback not, could Ryback not be in Roman Reigns' position? I don't think so because he doesn't have the look. I mean, as as he doesn't have the look, he's 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 bigger than a a brick, you know what house. He has a look. The crowd responds to him. What? Why could why could Vince just say, "Hey, you know what? I want this guy to be the champion." Why couldn't he say that? 
He could, but you know what? It's his company. He makes the decisions. Right and or wrong. And, and, but, 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 Corey, that's fine. But that's the point, is why is one guy getting that spot over another? Sometimes we know, right? You see Seth Rollins. I mean, the guy's amazing. Mm-hmm. Brock Lesnar, the way he connects with the audience. Ryback connects with this audience with the audience pretty well too. Listen, I don't love Ryback, and I, I'm not here defending him, but I do think it's interesting. Reigns, I like Reigns. I think he's pretty good in the ring. I, I, he's, his matches have improved. I think on the mic he's not great. I do think he has a lot of charisma, and a lot of the audience responds to him. And I don't think the audience would hate him if they didn't feel like he was stuffed down our throats. I think the audience would really like him, to be honest with you. But a lot of fans like Ryback, too. So, I don't know. I, I I do think, and it's hard, right? So, one of the things that he says in, in his statement is, um, uh, it, it blows my mind in a sport which is predetermined from a company standpoint. Winners are paid so much more than the losers. Every single person who works from the, for the WWE from top to bottom is absolutely just as valuable as the next. Now, that, I don't know if I believe that line. Uh, the winners cannot win unless the losers go out there and agree to lose to them. Uh, it blows our mind that in this day and age, we still adhere to this formula. Obviously, things have always been this way, but does that make them right? Um, every single performer in the WWE sacrifices the same amount of time from home and their families and every single man and woman who goes out does what they are told. Looking at this formula, though, losers uh, turn into what the fans call jobbers, and their value decreases in the company's eyes, and before you know it, they are released. For what? For doing exactly as they're told. Why not pay the talent equally? I, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot more that he says. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I do think he raises some interesting points about why our guys push more than others. Because sometimes, Corey, we don't freaking know. I mean, really. Like AJ, in, in the past era, AJ might have been a jobber in the WWE. Now he's main eventing shows. And, know, I mean, I, let's I mean, let's be honest. It also comes down to who you know, who likes you. I mean, Sheamus is a is a pretty good worker. Sheamus, I don't think Sheamus has is anything extremely special in in all aspects. But he was, you know, workout buddies with Triple H. That's why he got his initial push. I mean, I think he's done enough to go and stay where he is over time. But it all comes down to who, you know, at the time, like, you know, when you had with the women, you know, what they look like and who John Laurinaitis wanted to go and put on his arm for the week. I mean, it all depends on, you know, you know, Jim Ross thought someone looked like they look like a professional wrestler. They had that thing, you know, promoters, bookers, they see something. It's their money. It's their time. It's their decisions. If, you know, if Ryback was in Roman Reigns' you know, spot. Is Ryback going to come out and say this? I doubt it. You know, could John Cena have problems and say things, but he doesn't? Well, because he's the the biggest guy in the company. He's a spokesman. You're not going to say things if you're happy. He's not happy. You know, I mean... But just just because he's not happy does not mean that what he's saying doesn't have some truth to it. I I, I think we do... I I think we do this... Well, it's this guy's company, and he owns it, so he can do what he wants with it. That's absolutely true. It doesn't mean what he's doing is right or not, and it doesn't mean that it does that. There's some things about it that don't exactly make sense. Why some guys are pushed? You're talking about workout buddies and this and listen. In business, politics play a big part on why guys in business are pushed. Like one guy, why one guy uh, has a different position in a company than another. It, it's part of the way the world works, but it is interesting that WWE is supposed to be kind of a sport, but it is predetermined, and guys are pushed, and guys do make a lot of money. Where, I mean, J- Damian Sandow is the exact case. Could Damian Sandow not be the IC champion? Could he not be a uh, you know a legitimate heel, maybe to face Roman Reigns on a pay per view? Could they not have built him up to that? Hundred percent, they could have. He has the in, he has the in ring ability the mic skills, and the character where the fans would have taken him seriously enough. But for whatever reason that we have absolutely no idea why, he is now unemployed. It's interesting. True. And, you know, it almost sounds like he's, he's, he's uh, Ryback is trying to be uh, creating 
He's not, but you know, it almost sounds like he's creating a new character. This more, it's it almost feels like you know, if they wanted to repackage this guy, he's this uh, this this statement is the idea, you know, give you different parts of what could be a new character. You know, I mean, a guy who stands up for the little guy and who goes and is social, you know, is against social injustice and stuff. I mean, it's not a work, but you know what? Everything in WWE, you could some point could become a work. Not this wouldn't be a good one, but yeah, he, can, he, can have, he can have Bernie Sanders as his manager. Yeah, exactly. It'll be him and, it'll be him and Bernie coming out. Yes, <laughs> Wall Street, Wall Street. You all suck. Um, um, but so, yeah. but, yeah, but so this is the question though: If you're the WWE, what do you do with this? Because um, we know Adam Rose is coming out, and you know it's interesting that people are coming out against the company. Um, but if you're the WWE, what do you do? Do you give the man a bus and his money and and and, and do that? I mean, he has been with the company for a while. He is pretty over with the fans. Like, he's not one of the most over guys, but I think he is mid-card level over. Skip Sheffield. He's not awful, he's not awful in the ring. I mean, he's whatever. He's fine. Um, do you give the guy what he wants and re-sign him after all this? Or do you say, you know what? This guy isn't really worth it. Personally, I don't think he's worth it. I mean, he just comes off as another malcontent. I mean... As much as we love, you know, like CM Punk and all these other people who have gone and spoke out against the company, WWE has let them go. WWE has said, screw it. You're not worth it. I mean, McMahon has made a living over the years of telling people it's McMahon's way or the highway. I mean, there's a reason why, you know, guys like the Ultimate Warrior back when we were kids were headlining, you know, WrestleMania one day and then, you know, not seen again for years until they show up, you know, in WCW or other places. McMahon, well, you know, in the long run might bring it back, but McMahon's the god of wrestling. As much as we think he may have lost a step here and there, it's his company. I don't. I think Ryback will most likely, you know, I don't think he'll be released, but I think he'll go and when his contract expires in June or July or September, whatever it is, I think we'll see him uh, getting a, finding out that he'll be working for, you know, TNA or someone else. I mean, I don't think he's good enough. He's not Michael Elkin. He's, I don't think he's going to make a career in New Japan. I mean, he's, I don't think he's a good enough worker for ROH or anything like that. Maybe he'll do. So, he'll make some money in the beginning on the indies. But I'm sure if, if Dixie finds another, you know, person to invest in her company, that's a guy she'll bring in. You know, but I w- I wouldn't bring him back. Okay, I, I think it's interesting. I I think that. A guy speaking out for what he feels like isn't right doesn't mean I wouldn't bring him back. And this is the other thing. If Sam Punk wanted to come back, they would sign him in three seconds. Oh, absolutely. Let's no, I agree not, with that. Okay. Let, 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 yeah, let's not kid ourselves. You know, I don't think, you know, Vince has an ego. We know that. But he'll bring anybody back. I think if he felt that Ryback could make money, he'd bring him back. Um, I think Ryback can make them money. But I think they feel like he can only make them so much money and they're willing to pay him only so much, which, you know, that's that their prerogative as a, as a business. Um, and that's what they felt like he makes what they're offering is what his value is to their company. He's saying he wants more, apparently. And they're saying no. Uh, while Jay was gone last week, uh, I gave a quick preview of uh, Payback. I thought Payback was actually uh, a really solid show that unfortunately had some moments that you know didn't go perfectly to say the least but the in-rig product i think was one of the best shows they've had in a long time i think this i think the stuff with the mcmahons was was a was made made me want to you know throw myself out a window a couple of times but besides that i thought for the most part Sammy Zayn and Kevin Owens stole the show. Absolutely. I, Absolutely. I thought, you know, I, I could say altogether, Kevin Owens was great. I mean, his commentary on the following match, his interference setting up what they're going to do for Extreme Rules. I mean, and Corey, he's probably the best guy in the company. And let's kind of say what it is. Right now, the way it stands with Rollins not being there, He's probably the best guy in the company. On the mic, in the ring. I mean, he's probably the MVP right now of the WWE. I, I couldn't disagree with that. I mean, he is just doing stuff on a level that you'd expect someone of 
of his size, and when I'm saying size, I mean girth, uh, you would expect to actually be given a chance to do and where we are at this point in the WWE. I mean, Kevin Owens is just is terrific. I mean, I believe a- AJ and... Um, Reigns. Thank you. Uh, really delivered. I mean... Yeah, I thought it was a great match. I mean, I think the idea of stopping and starting it, I understand why they did it for the storyline aspect. I think that kind of hurt it a little bit. But as yeah. an overall match, I thought it was really well done. I know that I'm a guy who gets all annoyed when it comes to outside interference and things, but I thought those were done well. I really yeah. think a lot of things were done well. I mean, I didn't love the uh, the women's title match. I thought the ending was just, can we stop with, you know, the uh, Montreal screw job, you know, from 1997 and 2016? I mean, we'll get into that in a second. I mean, I... Th- yeah, I thought it was clunky. I thought that... And I, I mean, you may disagree with me, but I thought it was the right decision to keep title on The Miz as much as we all love Cesaro. I think Miz and Maurice are really working well together, and I think I having that prop of the IC title really works for them. I mean, I don't know what they do. If they put the title on Sami Zayn in three weeks or not, but I thought that worked well. I said before... The, pre, the pre-show match with Kalisto and Ryback, I think that was the best match Ryback has had with the company since CM Punk, you know, a couple of years ago when he wow. actually had a push. Um, the We'll get into, I guess, now, or working our way backwards. The unfortunate situation with Enzo is something that was scary, and I kind of really felt bad for Sammy and Kevin Owens having to work after that, but... The story was so good that the crowd was able to get into that match after what they had seen. I give the WWE credit for giving updates as the night went along. I thought that was well done, you know, and as much as we kill, you know, Cole week after week for being a terrible announcer, on those type of situations, he's the right guy for those things. We saw that when we had the whole tight thing with uh, Jerry the King Lawler a couple of years ago with the heart attack. He Mm. was that voice, and it really... The way he does things does work for those situations. But those are my quick thoughts on the pay-per-view before we get into more. What was your thoughts on uh, Payback as an overall show? Yeah, no, I agree with everything you said, um, you know, for the most part. I I thought Reigns Reigns and AJ was really, really good. I thought the stop and start wasn't great, but other than that, I thought it was good. The McMahon stuff is the McMahon stuff. Um, it was what I predicted. That is what was one of my predictions. I said I could see them having Shane and Stephanie run this together. And if they do, it's going to be clunky, um, which it kind of was on Raw, um, a bit. So, but I think Stephanie's so good that she can kind of help with that clunkiness, hopefully. Um, so I, I thought that was a little bit of a not, not a great segment, but you know, it was, was what it was. The Enzo situation, I, you know, it was one of those things, right? I didn't think he was hurt. You know, I was like, oh, he's not hurt. He's fine. This is a swerve and blah, blah, blah. But obviously he was hurt pretty bad. A lot of people um, don't like when they show the replays so much. But it's like, you know, your your audience is kids, a lot of them, and they want to show the audience, don't try this at home. Like, this is really, really dangerous. So, Showing the replay, as tough as it was to watch, it was good that they showed it that many times so let the audience know how dangerous of a, of a sport these guys are involved in. Um, I think Enzo and Cass definitely would have won the titles um, or would have won the number one contender. Um, and I do think Cass has, has done really well since Enzo got the concussion. He had a nice promo on SmackDown. He had a nice promo on, on Raw. So I think he's done a pretty good job. Uh, just really unfortunate. I thought the Owen Zane match was awesome. So good. And what they're doing with this IC title, I, I think it's the best thing going right now in the company. Better than AJ and, and Reigns, to be honest with you. I think what they're doing with these guys are great. And I'm really, really enjoying it. Miz and Cesaro, I thought they put on a very solid match. Um, I did not see Ryback and Kalisto, but um, yeah, it's been a, you know, it was a good, very, very, very good pay-per-view. And, um, now, we already know Extreme Rules is just going to be rehashed 2.0, but I did enjoy Payback for sure. And uh, the one match that did disappoint me, besides the women's match, particularly because the ending, I-, I had so much hope going into the match, and I'm thinking the rematch will be better now that 
it's, I guess, even more animosity. I guess that's the story they're building. And unfortunately, poor Mitch is no longer with us. But I was kind of disappointed in Dean Ambrose versus um, Chris Jericho. I thought the the match was okay. Um, I do think they didn't have great chemistry, Mm -hmm. which sometimes, you know, it sometimes happens in these matches. Um, I was expecting a better match, um, but I I think they'll, they'll be... They'll do well in payback. I think that's more Ambrose's style. They'll have you know more of a hardcore match. I think it'll be good. Um, but yeah, I was a little disappointed in the match for sure. I thought they would do better. It still wasn't a bad match by any means, but in comparison to the rest of the show, which had a lot of really good matches, it was a disappointment. I mean, I really I think that the two of them have had good chemistry on the mic. I'm not sure what type of match. They'll do at the pay-per-view. I mean, we'll see how that how that goes. You know, this is two straight, um, not at least in my opinion, not great performances for Ambrose on big stages. I mean, he had the really good match with uh, Triple H in the lead-up to Mania, but his mm-hmm. match with Brock Lesnar was basically a squash. This match wasn't great. I'm just wondering where his place is right now is on the card. You know, I mean... I know most people didn't think he was going to beat Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar is this bigger than huge character that they protect. Jericho, most likely he'll win the feud. But I, I want to see something coming out of this feud that makes me say that at some point he's on the level, at least storyline-wise, story of Roman Reigns. Because like every time he's faced Roman Reigns, he's lost. It's just Dean Ambrose is such a good character. I would like to see them actually do something more where when it comes to the wins and losses part of it, he matters more, you know? Yeah, and we'll see if that's the case, if that happens. Um, I do see Ambrose, you know, we've been we've heard this through the rumor mill that he is going to get a push here in the next couple of months. Um, so we'll see if that's the case. I definitely think he wins his feud against Jericho. Obviously, Jericho at this point mostly is just putting people over. So I do see Ambrose winning this feud and moving on. The match at Mania, I don't think, was really his fault. I think it was just kind of the way the match was laid out and the time they had available. And you know what, Jericho, they just didn't have great chemistry. Um, I think their in-ring segments and their talking segments have been really good. So do we? Do I see Ambrose winning the world title in the next year or so? I think it's very possible. Um, but I think it's just as possible that he doesn't win. Mm-hmm. So I guess we'll kind of see what they do moving forward. Now, one thing that we didn't get a chance to talk about together last week, which I'd like to get your opinion on, was, and this will lead into where we're going here, is what have you, th- what'd you think of the performance from Gallows and Anderson, as I call them the good brothers, because, you know, that's with that, a lot of people were asking what the BG stood for on their um, their outfits, they had to think BG for life, that's, you know, that stood for good brothers, but what did you think of them on the Raw leading into the pay-per-view, what have you thought of them at the paper, what have you thought of them so far? And get it, and from that, we can get into a little bit of Finn Balor losing the title to Samoa Joe. Yeah, I, I think they've been solid. I mean, I, I think Anderson's really good on the mic. He's a really good talker, and I think um, he, he'll really help. And I think Gallows is there, you know. Um, and as a tag team, they've, they've, they've had good matches. You know, even in New Japan, they, I mean, they weren't wrestling, you know, these amazing matches. I think Anderson's better in the ring as a singles, to be honest with you. But that's not where they're going with it. That's fine. Um, I think as a tag team, they, they do well. And I think they've had good matches. I think they've brought a lot to the storyline. And I think Am- I think Anderson's really kind of standing out in terms of talking and, and being a good heel. So I've really enjoyed them being there thus far. Uh, I guess, and like I said last week, mm-hmm. I think with them, at least in ring, especially with Gallows, I think less is more. So, I mean, I don't think they've done anything wrong. I kind of felt, like I said last week, that their first match against the Usos, I felt, was a little bit too long. I think that you want to keep a little bit more of the shroud of mystery on who these guys are. I almost want to see maybe even like a sit-down interview with them explaining why they're really here. I kind of want to know more. I mean, I know about them because I watch New Japan. But I think the average fan, I think, kind of wants to know a little bit more than... They're just the guys in black T-shirts, a.k.a. what they are, kind of a ripoff of the NWO. I think we need something in the next couple of weeks 
a little bit more about them. But, you know, could be wrong on that. But when it comes to uh, Finn Balor versus Samoa Joe, I had a little bit of a problem with last week. I mean, I think it's the right decision. But him, but Joe winning in a house show, not winning at NXT Dallas. I love, I love him winning in a house show. Really? Love it. Oh, yeah. Why is that? I mean, growing, growing up, Corey, what, what did we see happen? You'd read the wrestling magazines, and title change would take place in a house show. I mean, this is what happens sometimes. And also, one, it's good for the house show business because people know anything can happen. Um, and two, you know, like... It shows you anything can happen. I mean, really. So I don't have a problem with this. Sure, it wasn't on the major, a major show for him to show him winning. Mm-hmm. But I don't really think he needed to do it that way. I think it was fine that it was on the house show, to be honest with you. Um, and I don't have any problem with it. Because we just, it was nice to have it on Twitter. Twitter blew up. Mm-hmm. No one really knew what was going on. It was kind of kind of a different thing. So um, yeah, I was totally into it and, and had no problem with him winning it then. And what do you think? Do you think now that he's no longer champion? Like I said, we don't look at spoilers if we could help it for all the people out there who are like, we know what happens. We don't know in this regard, you know, when or if Balor will be in NXT again. But what's your thoughts? Do you think we see Balor at Extreme Rules? Do you think we see Balor stay in NXT still for a while? How do you think, I guess the main thing is, how do you see Balor equating into this whole entire main event scene with AJ, the Bullet Club members right now? Well, I mean, clearly they're setting up Anderson and Gallows turning on AJ and joining somebody. I mean, that, that's clearly what they're setting up. Now, whether they go with that or not, who knows? But clearly that's what they're setting up. So... Um, I think ba- Balor will be there sooner rather than later. I think he should. I think he should have been on the main roster probably a while ago. Um, do they? But do they do this this soon? I mean, do they do they make this what they do? And Balor joins them, or Balor joins Anderson and Gallows, and they're the Bullet. I, I I don't know. But if you know they have the Balor Club, Balor is you know they're saying you know it's a they're called bulletproof or whatever, which is more attached to Finn Balor. It would make sense that the group called Bulletproof would be headed by Finn Balor, and these two guys, Anderson and Gallows, the original members of the Bullet Club, would join Finn Balor, the original leader of the Bullet Club. So that's probably where they're going with it, um, and it's probably going to happen sooner rather than later. And you know what I? I agree for the most part. I mean, I, I we said it in passing, but I really want to say before we move on, I think AJ and Roman Reigns had a really good match, and if it wasn't on the same show as Zayn and Owens, it would have been the best match on that show. I'm just hoping that the stuff that's going on there isn't just a backdrop for the dueling McMahons of a sibling rivalry, which I'm hoping is not a long-term, you know, until next WrestleMania type of storyline. Yeah, I, and I don't think it will be. I think it'll be temporary. What, what have you, th- What have you, uh, before we, last thing on this, what was your thoughts on night one of McMahon's plural being in charge? Was it really not that big of a deal, just another element of the show, or do you think it was too much Stephanie? What was, what was your thoughts? Well, there, there's never too much Stephanie. You know that, Corey. Yeah, we you know what I mean? You know, there's never there's never too many times I can see her on my TV. Um, I, I you know I, I do like seeing her. I think she's funny. I think she can be a good heel. I think she does a really good job. I, I thought it was a little clunky, but I didn't think it was like too much. Um, they just have to be careful though. They can't oversaturate us with showing them every week multiple times. They have to really be careful. Um, don't lose your show to put over this storyline. So I hope they don't do that. The first week was okay, um, and we'll see. Uh, but I, my worry is that we're going to see more and more of them, and then Triple H is going to be there. Vince is going to come back, and it's going to be just a mess. Hopefully they don't do that, but I think that's where they're going to at some point. All right. Um, we, ha- we haven't said early in the show, but, you know, just to throw that out there, if you guys have any opinions on anything that we talk about each week, 
feel free to go and be part of the conversation uh, on Twitter, at WorkshoePod. My personal is Palinate Away. And we have this new thing over the last couple of weeks on Facebook with our group, which there's been a lot of good conversation going on, different things about Lucha Underground. If you don't get the El Rey Network, I put up there the... Uh, um, the match between Sexy Star and Mariposa, which I thought was one of the better matches I've seen in a while. I mean, it was nowhere, I don't think, as good as, you know, Bailey and and Sasha from last year in Brooklyn. But that was definitely a really good women's match. Um, but like I said, it's a good conversation piece. Jay, uh, w- let's get into it. You put on uh, Twitter this week at WorkshoePod, paraphrasing here, but... Best episode of the season of Lucha Underground. Let me get your quick thoughts on what made it the best episode of the season. Now, I know a lot of the, the rest of the show wasn't great itself, and, and, and it's mostly about the main event. But the main event felt like what they did last year. They built an emotional connection with the audience um, uh, based off of the storyline and where they went with the storyline. You know, the week before we had the Dream Team win of Puma, Mysterio, and Dragon Azteca. And we all knew that was going to happen. And they're the most over baby faces in the company. And they were supposed to win. So it was fine. But the year before that, you know, when you had Eva Lee's Son of Havoc and, and Helico won, it was this buildup and culmination of a story for the whole season. And it was fantastic. Um, and it, the audience built up a connection with these kind of underdogs. And you saw that with Sexy Star, with all the crap she's been through um, and how she, you know, hasn't been the same as she was. She was last year, she was a super strong woman who kicked ass, who didn't take names, and was really, a, you know, a legit mid-carder in that company, even as a woman. And this year she's been meek and timid and, you know, because of what Mike the Moth did to her, or Marty the Moth did to her, and she really came out of it and fought out of it and, you know, became this strong woman back to where she was again. Um, and, I, and it just, just it, it was, they did such a good job of building that emotional connection with the audience in that match. Sexy Star, Mariposa did such, especially Sexy Star, did such a good job of building that emotional connection with the crowd and with the audience. It was phenomenal. It was great. It wasn't Bailey and Sasha in terms of the wrestling quality. Some, you know, they use a lot of gimmicks, things like that. But in terms of the emotional connection with the audience, you know, I, I think it was, you know, I think it was on the level of that. And I thought it was great. I thought they did a great job. It was a great match. And it was what Lucha Underground had been a lot of the first season that I think it was missing this season. I think this season's been a bit of the, kind of paint by numbers, this is what we're doing, we're putting this guy over, blah, 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 blah. Um, you know, uh, whereas I think last season was, and maybe because it was new and, 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 you know, the new flavor of the month, maybe it was that, I don't know. But I felt like last year they did a lot better job of building that emotional connection with the audience as they did on the episode on Wednesday. Oh, and that's uh, the No Moss match and, I would agree. I thought that was a really good match. I'll be honest. I'm not the biggest fan of Sexy Star. And I guess also maybe because I'm not the biggest fan of the intergender matches, which I've said many times. So um, that's nothing new on my part. But uh, I, after watching that match, I'd, I'd love to see Sexy Star or Mariposa or Ivelisse, you know, actually face each other. Or Taya, who I think is very good. I think that they've showed that they could have physical, hard-style matches with women against women, you know? I mean, I know I'm changing but they, a little I bit. Mean, but, they, but they have. I mean, they 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 have had a lot of women's matches, but they've had, but there's only a couple of them. So, you know, they can't all just wrestle each other. I mean, they, they have to make these women mean something. And Sexy Star beating up, beating a dude in a match, you know, last year when she had the whole thing um, with, uh, uh, with Pentagon Jr., like, I loved that storyline. I, I very much enjoyed that storyline. And, yeah, I, I know what you're saying, and I know the whole, you know, man-woman thing and, you know, whatever. But I think it makes the women, I think it makes the women, when they have matches against each other, mean that much more, the fact that they've wrestled men in a match. I, I absolutely feel that way. So, 
Now, do I need to see hardcore matches with men against women? No, absolutely not. I agree with you about that. We don't need to see women getting hit in the head with chairs by men. I think that's absurd. But an athletic contest between a man and a woman, I, 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 don't, I, have, I see no problem with that. And I think it mean, makes these women matches mean more. What did you now? I was listening to uh, another podcast. Uh, I'm trying to remember what it was. Uh, I think it was After Buzz Radio, After Buzz uh, Lucha Underground. Uh, they, I, I had a problem last week when I was talking in regards to another unprotected chair shot with uh, Cage in the Johnny Mundo, uh, Mundo match. They were saying the idea that every once in a while, if it makes sense for a story, an unprotected chair shot. Isn't great, but it's understandable. First, I don't agree with that at all. But do you think that do you think that unprotected chair shot added anything to that match last week? I mean, I thought it was a great match before that. But do you think? And I know I'm going on a high horse here, but do you think that chair shot added anything to that match that made it needed? Nope, absolutely not. I think blood is a good thing. I yes. think blood is blood good. Is good. I, 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 I do like the idea of having blood every now, like that sexy star match with all the blood. Like I think that was a that was a thing. They were taking her mask off, she's bleeding. They, I mean, it was a blood feud with all the stuff she's gone through. You don't need an unprotected. You don't need to do that. Now, if you want to hit the guy in the head with the chair and the guy puts his hands up, okay, you know that's fine. I don't even think you need to do that. But if you want to do that, like that's okay too. But it's not necessary. Like this is 2016. Dudes are dying of CTE. Like, this is this isn't a joke. You know, Junior Seau driving off of a driving off of a cliff. Like, this isn't a joke anymore. What happened with Benoit? I mean, this is not a joke anymore. We don't need to do this anymore. Um, it's not necessary for to advance a storyline. It really isn't. Um, it's it's stupid and it's ignorant. Agreed. And one of the reasons you bring it up, I, I I want to make sure that everybody realizes we love, and I would say that right now, Lucha Underground, for that one hour every week, I think is my favorite show every week right now. But I want to make sure people understand that as much as that they're doing well, there are things that they need to either change or fix. So I just want to make sure people understand that, you know, we're not, you know, Lucha Underground fanboys and we don't see, we only see the good, you know. So there are things in Lucha Underground there are problems. I mean, there's a lot more good than uh, bad. Hey, yeah, no, I mean, we're, we're talking about, you know what I'm saying, WWE or, or NXT or any, any of that. You know what I mean? we There's things that are good and there's things that aren't good. I think the episode, uh, the Sexy Star match was great for a lot of reasons. And I think some of this season has been missing that. I think unprotected chair shots is not something that you need. I like the women against man matches that aren't hardcore matches. You're not as big of a fan. So, I mean... It, to each to each their own, but I still think Lucha Underground is a superior product over most. Absolutely, um, and I guess we'll get uh, before we move on from Lucha Underground. Last thing, how I know you're not a fan of Matanza. You think he's basically destroying the roster. He's not good enough to this and that. But what's no. your thoughts? Are you psyched? You couldn't care less about next week's uh, rematch with uh, Matanza and Mil Mortes in uh, Mil Mortes specialty match. Um, yeah, I think grave consequences. I think it'll be a good match. I think they'll do, you know, I, I think the fact that it'll be more of a hardcore match will play into both of their styles. Um, I did think their match a few weeks ago was a good, fun match, and they beat the hell out of each other. And I think this match will be similar. Um, again, you know, Pentagon Jr. should be there on there every week. You know, I mean, certain guys should be there more often. Whatever they're they're making this season about, you know, um, the the Olympian and Mel Mortis, who's great, it's fine. But um, I think the match will be good. I, I think it'll be a good, fun, hardcore match, and they'll beat the hell out of each other. There you go. I, I agree. For, I agree too. I mean, I don't know if we also are getting the gift of the gods match next week. Cause I don't know if they've. I think they got handed out all of the medallions uh, this week, but. Uh, We'll see how that goes, and we'll talk about that and the main event uh, next week. But I guess the last thing on the agenda, uh, ROH, the, the company that we've had so much hope for, but, you know, over the last month or so's TV wouldn't actually really tell you that there's a pay-per-view today. Um, 
quick thoughts. Uh, are you looking forward to? The, I know it's Mother's Day, and for everyone out there, Happy Mother's Day uh, from the Workshoot Wrestling Podcast. But do you have major interest in this show? I mean, if you watch ROH TV, they're not exactly telling you what's on the show. You know, the the Global Wars shows uh, I've definitely been into. I think this is the one issue, is I have New Japan World. I see these guys all the time already. I like Ring of Honor. I love Ring of Honor. I see all these guys. I don't necessarily need to see them in a match. I don't need this. I mean, I, I know I'm being a little negative, but I don't know. I, I just, like, I'm good. I, I don't need to see it. It's fine that they're having the show, and the matches are, are good. I mean, you have, I won't talk about um, the, the uh, Christopher Daniels, Frankie Gazalian match, because they're going against Ligo and Cheeseburger, but you got uh, the Machine Guns, Seidel and Kushida against uh, the Bullet Club, you have O'Reilly against Naito. I think that'll be a. I think that'll probably be the, the match of the night. Very possibly. Um, you got Elgin. And, what'd you say? Very possibly. That's a, that sounds yeah. amazing. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, you got. Um, uh, why, where's Shibata at? Why is he not on the show? Anyway, uh, Elgin and Tanahashi against Okada and Moose. Ishii against Fish for the title. War Machine against Briscoes for the tag titles, and Lethal against Colt Cabana for the Ring of Honor title. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's a good show. Um, but, again, this is my problem, right? So um, I was religiously watching these Ring of Honor shows. I really was. But you know what's gotten me out of it, Corey, watching them so religiously, is they don't build up to anything. They're just kind of shows that have shows, and there's just matches, and the matches don't mean anything. Um, and, and I'm really struggling with, with, their, with their TV. They need to build these shows to the pay-per-views. That's what you're building toward. Not just having Corey against Jason in a match. That means nothing. Hey, I'd there's too many... <laughs> I, I definitely go over but anyway, There's too many matches on these shows that don't mean anything. And I think it's a problem. Um, the pay-per-view itself looks good. I think it'll be a good show. But they should have Colt Cabana on every week cutting promos on Jay Lethal to build up this, this main event. They haven't done that. Absolutely. And I said that last week. I mean, I think the match could be good. I mean, I think Colt is a very entertaining guy. I mean, I think they finally figured out what they were doing last week, where this past week, which they actually showed a little bit of Colt. They showed the interaction at Supercard of Honor. So we at least know the match is happening. But it's one of the problems what happens when you go and book your TV months in advance that you really, your audience, unless you're going, I guess, to ROH Wrestling every week, their website, you know, religiously, you have no idea either that there is a pay-per-view or that the show is, you know, what's on it. I mean, I expect it to be good. I mean, I think they'll have a really lively crowd, especially being in Chicago, where Colt Cabana is from. But honestly, it's a show that I feel is not something that you have to sit, go out of your way to see, especially the other part of that is, the last time, pretty much every time that these two companies work together, New Japan wins every match, you know? And it's it makes you sometimes say, "Are these how good are these ROH guys and why should I care about them if they never win, you know? I mean, it's basically what this has become. ROH is New Japan East, you know? I mean, it really, yeah. I, I, love to, I love that Michael Elkin got his shot and he's doing well there now. And it looks like maybe a guy like an Adam Cole or a, Ro- a Roger Strong may have a chance to be in the G1 this year. And where is Adam Cole on that card? I mean, I have no... Is Adam Cole hurt? I mean, I have no idea. If he's hurt, I apologize, but how is Adam Cole not on, a, you know, a Global Wars, which is your biggest, one of your biggest shows of the year, to spotlight guys? Where's Adam Cole? I mean, maybe they're doing something on TV that I missed of some sort of storyline, but Adam Cole, baby, where are you? Yeah, he's nowhere near it. And I do see Ring of Honor winning some of these matches. Um, I think they'll win the, the undercard match with Christopher Daniels. Um, I think I think Bobby Fischer will win, win the title, the TV title. Um, but I don't. I think the Bullet Club will win, um, which represent they're representing New Japan. I think Naito will win because he's the champion of the company. So I, I think they'll probably trade wins here. I think they'll get two. They'll both get two wins each. Um, and then the main event matches are not um, New Japan involved. So 
you know, we'll see. I, I think if you make it New Japan heavy uh, for the undercard, that's fine. I still think you got to highlight your guys in the main event. Like, you, your, your guys need to be the main event. And Cole Cabana, I mean, he's not even really worked for the company, but he's kind of there. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, that's fine, too. But you need, your, you need to highlight your guys in the main event for sure. Absolutely. Uh, I think we covered a lot of ground this week. Uh, I'll have my clothing, closing thoughts in a minute. Uh, just a couple of thoughts about New Japan. But, uh, Jason, you want to let people know, uh, once again, how they can follow the show and, you know, never miss our thoughts and takes. Sure. Um, so we are at blogtalkradio.com backslash workshoot podcast. Um, also, check us out um, on iTunes and Stitcher. Um, on iTunes, just type in Work Shoot Wrestling Podcast. On Stitcher, type in the Shirt Work Shoot Wrestling Podcast. Uh, never miss an episode. Subscribe. This is his favorites. Um, you know, write a comment. That kind of keeps us up there and keeps uh, people listening to us. Uh, we also have a Facebook group. So the Work Shoot Wrestling Podcast. You know, we share our ideas, thoughts on what's going on in the world of wrestling beyond um, this podcast. Um, you're more than welcome to share your thoughts on the group. Uh, also, we are on Twitter at Work Shoot Podcast. Um, we're definitely getting, you know, people on Twitter interested and, and, and sending comments in. And please, like, if you have any thoughts about wrestling, how things are going, um, definitely, definitely, definitely hit us up. You know, we've always got Andrew QND. Uh, sending us stuff. Uh, we had uh, Metal Madness at Metal Madness zero zero sending us stuff. So yeah, definitely uh, Damian Drain at the at the Drain Pipe. Um, he's always hitting us up on Twitter. So at Work Shoot Pod, let us know your thoughts on the world of wrestling. Thanks. Absolutely. And uh, last thing for this week. Uh, once again, New Japan had an, another really good show. Uh, the main event of Naito and Ishii, 30 minutes. I think it might be the best match Ishii has had since his matches with Shibata. I would go out of my way to see that. Uh, Liger and Kusada was re- uh, really good, especially the fact that supposedly this is the beginning of the end for Liger. Um, I really think that Okada had a good match with Sonata. I don't think it was great, but I think they really did some cool things there. And the best of the Super Juniors is coming up with some guys from ROH. Will Ospring's going to be there, Ricochet. But the one thing I want to get into, and if Jay, if you have a comment on this, feel free. But this is right now, I know New Japan is going into a new time without, you know, the Bullet Club members and Nakamura, who are such big things. But they feel like a little bit like WWF or E during the beginning of the Attitude Era, where Every, every other week, you're, you're having a title change. You've had this six-man title for the Never title for like four months. I think there's already been six champions. Shibata just lost the title uh, to Nagata. It's nice to see Nagata getting a run. I think he'll lose it back. But you have every all these titles are just changing back and forth. You know, I mean, once again, you had the Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championships going back to Ricochet and Seidel. Maybe that hopefully that means that Ricochet staying a little bit longer. But one of the things that made New Japan and, like, ROH and all these companies really good was you had consistency, and titles meant something because guys held them for a while. Right now, with all these title changes back and forth, it feels like there's a lot of indecision going on. No, I agree with you 1,000%. And I was thinking the same exact thing. Way too many title changes. Way too many. Some of them, like, Naito made sense. Like, that was fine for him to win the title. Um, but the, the and, and even... You know, uh, maybe Shibata losing the title maybe makes sense, but mm-hmm. like the junior heavyweight titles, like, they don't need to be, keep flip flopping those. You know, so I, I think it's been you know a bit too much. And uh, the the brothers, the Haku brothers, winning the belts, like why are they winning the belts? They stink. <laughs> I think it's, someone it's, said uh, if you look at uh, the formerly Camacho in the WWE developmental. You know how hard a guy's working by how much paint is gone by the end of the match? Tonga, is his paint's pretty much all gone. And the first match when they won the titles, all of, you know, uh, Camacho's paint was still on there. It's not like he was working really hard. Um, yeah, I mean, I like Tama Tonga, but the other Camacho stinks. Ag- agreed. Howard, oh, my God. 
But, you know, I think well, we covered... I fall asleep during his matches. <laughs> but I think we had a lot of good things this week. And I guess the last thing, my last thing, Jay, um, for all those who follow you at Facebook and who are friends with you personally, congratulations on uh, you getting engaged. Uh, we won't Thank say you. uh, your lovely uh, now fiancé's name on here. We don't want to embarrass her. But uh, welcome to the... Welcome to the, the strange family that we have. And uh, hopefully in the next year or so, we'll be able to announce, you know, that you guys are officially married. And uh, we'll see how things go down the line. But, Jason, congratulations to, and I'm sure the audience agrees, congratulations on getting engaged. Yeah, thank you very much. It was a tremendous, tremendous day, a tremendous, tremendous pr proposal by me. Cut a great promo in our relationship and what it meant. And I won the belt. I was able to get engaged. I, I got put over hard, and things really worked out well. No, uh, in all seriousness, yeah, it was it was awesome. Um, we had people come out and celebrate after, and uh, yeah, she's she's great. She's great, and um, I made a, a good decision, and I'm really glad she said yes. And uh, I guess on those final words, thank you as always for listening to the show. And uh, Jay, I guess kind of the floor was just yours there, but. Uh, we usually end the show a certain way, so Jay, final final thoughts or words. Happy Mother's Day. I think we're done here. See ya. <laughs>